Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for the 539 Church Podcast. 539 is a church in Goodyear Heights seeking to invite people into Jesus's family. If you're in the Northeast Ohio area, we'd love to have you join us for one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For more information about us, including our service times, address, and live stream information, please go to 539.church or look us up on Facebook or Instagram. All right, as you guys make your way to your seat, um, to be honest, I'm utterly shocked. You guys are here, even with the time change. You are the type of people that change your clocks on Friday just to get ready uh, for today. Uh, But thank you for singing with us, and really it is a joy and a privilege for us to come in and worship God together. Uh, If I have not had the chance to meet you, my name is Mike. I serve as the pastor here. If you're new here, would you find me afterwards and introduce yourself? I would love the opportunity to get to meet you. As well, behind you in the seat, uh, there is what is what we call a next steps card. If you have a prayer request, if you would like to let us know that you are here, if you have any questions, that is the end all be all place we would kind of point you to as well. You can go to the welcome bar uh, in the back after service. But I have two announcements before we get started. Uh, The first one is as a church, we are starting what is called a spiritual focus or spiritual discipline of the month. Every month, we're going to have one spiritual focus that we have that we'll have some practices and we'll have some things that we really give to uh, some time to. Uh, And so uh, you'll see that this month is evangelism and really everything we do is going to be around that idea. Next month is prayer and scripture reading. We'll go through the entire year. We'll go through 12 different spiritual disciplines as a church just to center our hearts around Jesus. And so this month is obviously evangelism leading into Easter. And so we'd like to announce our Easter service uh, times and really what, will we, what we will be doing on Good Friday. We're going to have one service at 6.30 p.m. We'll have child care for three and under, and so you'll kind of see some info going out about that. As well, Easter morning, we'll stick with our three service times. I've got a message titled, I Found It. I'll be preaching on the woman at the well and what did she find. And so if you want to be thinking through uh, who you're going to be inviting and praying for and things like that, uh, that is coming up. And we'll have invite cards for you next week. Uh, So you can be taking those and sharing them with your friends. But let me pray, and then we'll jump into this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for how good you've been to us and how good you are to us. And Lord, even as we just sang, that you would satisfy us with your love. God, as we come back to you, I pray that we would, as we experience Jesus, that you would change us in a profound way this morning. And even as we get ready to hear some stories of what you have done in the lives of people. I pray that you would stretch us, would you challenge us, would you grow us and give us boldness. And all God's people said, amen. So today is a little bit different. I've been kind of prepping you guys for this and what we're going to be doing. Uh, You're in for a special, special treat. Uh, But before we get to that, a few things. This series we're starting is called, What Does It Take? What Does It Take? And really this idea, and I'll share more of the story really as the series goes. This is going to lead into Easter for us. Uh, What does it take? And really our theme verse is Acts 5.39, which says, But if it is of God, you won't be able to overthrow them or stop them, some translations would say. What is the it? What is the it? In the summertime, I preached on Acts 5.39 before we started. How do you know when you have it? How do you know when you've lost it? What does it take to have something that God is a part of? How do you know? How do you know if you've lost it? How do you know if you have it? And all those types of things. So today, we're going to be talking about it takes stories. It takes stories. And next week, it takes tears to have a passion for people far from God. It takes conversations. 
and it takes invites and all those types of things. If you're new here, maybe you've been around for a while, we have what is called a family card. And a family card, we really uh, have the hallways painted with them. Uh, we have them at the welcome bar. This is our evangelism strategy, which simply means how you share Jesus. Uh, we take these cards, and really we have six things we ask everyone to do that you would list, list, you would list uh, eight people that you have contact with, eight people who are unbelievers, who are far from God, and you would not just list them, but you would pray for them because it's a spiritual battle that you would invest into them, that you don't just want something from them, but you have something for them, and you would share your Jesus story or what churches will say, your testimony, we'll talk about today, and you would invite, in, last, in the last week we'll talk about lead. How do you lead someone to Jesus? There are two verses before we jump into today. Is in John 9.25. It says this. And he replied, a man, they were asking him questions about Jesus. They said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. That's all a testimony is. It is not going from a, a bad person to a good person. It is going from spiritual death to spiritual life. That's what takes place in a testimony. I don't, I don't know all the answers. Uh, I don't have all of the stuff together. All I know is I was spiritually blind, but now I see. And then in Acts 4, 33, it says this. It says, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. That's all we're doing, really, around this time and around Easter. That's all we're doing. We're testifying to the resurrection. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Really, they shared testimonies back then or Jesus st stories, and that's all we're doing today. So I'm going to invite our panel up with me. Would you guys come on up? Would you give them a round of applause? Maybe uh, ease uh, some of the nerves. Okay. So for those of you uh, maybe new to church, this is us shaking things up just a little bit. I got some help this morning. Um, what we were going to do is teach you or teach all of us how to share our testimony or our Jesus story. How does it work? And what do you have to do? And I thought, instead of just talking, you know, or telling you, I thought, hey, let's have an example. Let's have some people and some different stories. And for those of you who don't know, they're squeezing in this pew, which is great. Uh, how many of you remember this pew? Raise your hand if you remember the pew. Yeah, this church was littered with these pews. And this is actually the last one remaining that's in my office. But either way, we'll have a story about that later. But um, as, a, as a staff, every week we have what is called God stories, meaning, hey, what is the story that happened this past week at church that's just God? It wasn't us. It wasn't a strategy. It's not because we're wise or anything else. It's just because God did it. And that's all these are. And on your family card, you'll see, hey, share your Jesus story. Well, how do you do that? So um, we're going to start uh, really here, and they're going to work their way down. And I'll maybe pause and ask them the question, hey, this series is called What Does It Take? But at times, we need to ask the question, hey, what did it take? What did it take for God to get a hold of your heart? So, um, Ryan, he's going to start us off, and we'll kind of work our way down. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Ryan, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited to get to share uh, my story. And so, um, I, I grew up in a, in a very loving and supporting home uh, in a very small town in Ohio called Janaden Hutton, Ohio, which is a wonderful place to grow up, uh, very difficult to learn to spell when you're in like first grade learning to write your address. You're really praying for like Kent, but, uh, but Janaden Hutton was it. And uh, yeah, wonderful place to grow up, wonderful family. And uh, my family uh, attended a, a, a small denominational church. And so we went most of, of the time 
And sort of through that time, I did what you're sort of supposed to do when I was in junior high. Uh, I became a member of the church. I kind of went through a confirmation class. And, um, and, and sort of through that time, I'm not sure if I just wasn't exactly listening. That's probably it. Uh, but I really kind of walked away from junior high and high school thinking a life is really just about being a good person. And that's sort of where I had my trust. I was overall a pretty good kid. You know, I didn't get into a lot of trouble. I had good friends, that kind of thing. And so, as I look back, that was really sort of where I put my trust. It's just, you're just a good, a good person, and, you know, at that time, I thought, by the end of your life, you probably just kind of stack up your good works versus your bad, and hopefully there's more good than bad, and God lets you into heaven. That's kind of what, what I thought. And so, I graduated from high school, and I went away to um, a state university. I went to Bowling Green State University, and um, it was during our, my, my freshman year there, me and, and several friends... Um, we were playing tennis one day, and we heard music coming from a, a nearby building. We just kind of piqued our interest a little bit. And so we went over there and found out it's a church, a campus church, that, the, a church that meets on campus there. And so we, be, we went over, just really curious about what that was, was all about. And there were two people, especially uh, two students, Jeff Green and Betsy Barreto, that were just really nice to us. And we're, we're just talking to us, asking us about our, you know, questions about ourselves, things like that. And th that day there was a special uh, guest musician, and they bought us his CD and gave it to us and said, you should just come back sometime. I should probably stop there. A CD is this plastic disc. <laughs> In the language of today, they, they gave us an iTunes gift card, I guess. I don't know if that... That's still old. That's still... If that puts it into perspective. They were, they were nice to us and said, hey, you should come back sometime. And sure enough, we did. And uh, came back several weeks then, and it was a few weeks later, the, the pastor was preaching, and he was preaching out of the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 28 and 29. And in verse 28, uh, there's a group of people, and they ask Jesus a question. And the question they ask him is, uh, what works must we do to see the work of God? And I thought, well, that's a, the exact question I would probably ask God. What works, God, do I need to do, really, to, to be made right with you? And Jesus, in his response in verse 29, said something really surprising to me at the time. He said, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. And um, that, that really changed everything. The pastor went on to explain it's, that their question was, what works do I have to do? Plural, what works do I have to do to see God? And Jesus said, the work is already done. Singular, the work. And so uh, the pastor went on to explain something I didn't understand, that just the simple truth of the gospel, that is, it's not about what we do to get to God. It's about what Jesus Christ has already done. It's his singular work, not the many works that we try to do to get to God. And so the pastor went on to explain the gospel, just that um, Jesus Christ came to this earth. He lived a perfect, sinless life, and he died, he was buried, and he rose again, and he overcame sin and death, and he, overcome, he overcame brokenness in his resurrection. And when we put our faith and trust in him, we can have the promise of eternal life. And so that's when I did that. I really put my faith and trust in Christ. And um, at that point, wow, my life changed really. Uh, you know, I, I, I knew where uh, my hope was. I knew I had joy and purpose that I hadn't really had before because I had this assurance knowing that, I, that, that it wasn't about what I needed to do to work harder or try harder. It was about really just surrendering to what Jesus had done. And that was, that was pretty life-changing in my life, yeah. That's awesome. Would you guys give it up for Ryan? Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Megan. I'm married to Ryan. And um, I grew up in a small town in Columbiana, and I was raised on a farm, and um, I was raised Catholic. So a lot like Ryan, I grew up going to church almost every week. I did confirmation and um, first communion and confession and all of those things that I was supposed to do. And uh, I really just grew up... Um, 
I guess just taking a lot of pride in just being a good person, a good student, a hard worker. I had no desire to party or drink or do a lot of the things my friends were doing at the time. I just really took a lot of pride in just being a good, all-around good person. And um, I went away to college a couple hours from home and um, rather quickly started to embrace the party scene at the college and um, just started really making a lot of bad decisions. And um, I quickly became someone that the high school version of me would not have even recognized. But I just justified it as, um, you know, I was just making the most of college and I was just having fun. And I still went to church a lot. I still prayed every day. Um, I still would have said I was a Christian, but yeah, just really making a lot of bad decisions, I guess. And after college, I got a teaching job um, in New Philadelphia, Ohio, and I moved there not knowing anyone. So I got a job as a bartender on the weekends, just kind of for something to do and to make extra money, and I met a lot of friends through that, but as you can imagine, kind of that partying and drinking and bar scene just kind of continued in my life. But I also um, just spent a lot of time at the gym, just being a young adult with not a lot of responsibilities, and that's where I met Ryan and a lot of his friends, and um, they were just very cool to me. They always invited me to church and invited me to young adult groups and activities and things, and uh, they were really all unlike anyone that I had ever met. They had a genuine love for each other and a genuine love for God that I didn't really understand, but I was very drawn to. Um, one night, Ryan and I were hanging out, and we were having a conversation about something, and he said something about being saved, and I finally stopped him, and I said, you and your friends are always talking about being saved, and I have no idea what you're talking about. And uh, he said, well, let me ask you this. If you were to die in your sleep tonight, where would you spend eternity? And I said, well... I mean, I don't know. No one really knows that, right? But I'm a good person. I go to church. I was baptized. So I think heaven, but how can you really know? And Ryan said, well, it actually has nothing to do with religion or baptism or anything like that. It just has everything to do with surrendering to Christ and believing in him and in his death, burial, and resurrection. And um, everything Ryan was saying to me was very offensive to me and very upsetting. And um, I said, so basically, you're telling me I just wasted the last 25 years of my life. And he was obviously very gracious and encouraging through the conversation, but um, it really upset me because I had gone to church so many times when I didn't feel like it, and I did confession and communion and all the things I was supposed to do, and I did that to make God happy. I was making God happy, and now you're trying to tell me that that wasn't making God happy? It felt like that's what he was saying to me. So I said, basically, I don't believe you, and I want to see where it says this in the Bible. And he said, okay, well, next time I see you, I'll bring a Bible. And sure enough, about a week later, he, uh, we hung out again, and he brought his Bible with him, and we opened up and just read a ton of verses through Romans and Ephesians, and um, everything was just so crystal clear to me for the first time. Those words were just jumping off the pages, and, um, and I'm just thinking, how did I miss this? How am I 25 years old, and I never knew this? And how has nobody explained this to me until right now? And my world was really rocked in that moment, but we just had a really long good conversation about just what it looks like to be a believer and surrender to Christ and how it has nothing to do with me or my works. And at the end of the conversation, Ryan said, so what do you think? Do you think this is something you want? And I said, of course, who wouldn't want this? And so he said, well, let's pray right now. You can accept Christ. So we prayed right then and there. And um, really, my life did a 180 from that moment forward. I had absolutely no desire to return to the lifestyle that I had lived. I, I lived that way long enough to know that that life had nothing to offer me. And I had this chance at a new beginning, and I had a life now that had peace and joy and purpose that I didn't even know was possible. So I'm so thankful to the Lord for bringing Ryan into my life and intercepting my life the way he did. My name is Hope. I am um, Michael's wife, 
Um, if I haven't gotten the chance to meet you, I would love to get to meet you. Um, I'm so thankful I get to support him and uh, do ministry alongside him. And along with that job, I get to try and sneak him some decaf coffee every once in a while. He, he's got a lot of energy, doesn't he? <laughs> but it's great. Um, I also get to lead um, a mom's community group here with a dear friend, Taylor, and it's just so wonderful. We get to um, encourage each other, talk about Jesus, and love on our babies. So if you're free, to, here's a plug. If you're a mom, free Tuesdays. To the testament. <laughs> Please to come. Testament. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so I'll share a little bit of my story, but I um, grew up going to church. Um, my mom is a very strong believer, and... Um, I'm so thankful for her and her life and um, just all that she had shared with me through her life. Um, but so my dad, he uh, passed away when I was in elementary school, and that was really, really hard. And I am so thankful that I had a mom who was just very um, present, and she was just very consistent. And um, one of the things she was consistent with was church, and we went to church every Sunday, um, I grew up going to Awana and youth group, and I loved going to church. I made a lot of great, um, solid friendships through church, um, but really just never had that relationship with God that was my own. Um, and then my freshman year and um, sophomore year of high school just kind of made the wrong friends and just got caught up in the party scene and um, just kind of caught up in the world and following um, other people. And um, I kind of lived that double life for a little bit. It was like one way with my church friends, one way with my school friends. Um, and then my junior year of high school, so I'm actually from Long Island, New York, if some of you didn't know that. But my junior year of high school, my family moved to Florida. And I went from a high school of 500 students in my class, a public high school of 500 students, to a Christian private school of like 50 to 80 students in my class. So it was very different, um, if you can imagine that. Um, and I actually made the sweetest friend. She was just this sweet, little, short, curly-haired Southern girl, and she um, was a believer, and she um, was very firm on her convictions, and she really kept me out of trouble for some time. <laughs> Um, and I think that was kind of the start of uh, my journey to um, have a relationship with God. Uh, my senior year, I um, was in a relationship with this guy, and it was a very ugly relationship. It just was not, neither of us knew the Lord. And um, maybe from losing my dad at a young age, I think I was trying to fill a void in my heart and um, just like trying to find that love that I didn't feel like I had in my heart, and also because I'm a sinner, and um, nothing can satisfy us but God. Um, and so um, that went on through my whole senior year, and I just was at a point in my life that I was just so broken and alone, and I just had believed the lies that, like, he would say, nobody will love you, and just so many different things that I had believed, and... Um, I didn't have that relationship with God to cling to, and I know that the Lord, uh, like we talk about what does it take, I know that the Lord um, used that specifically in my life to bring me to the lowest point in my life. Like, I felt like I truly was at rock bottom, and I came to the end of myself to realize my need for a Savior. Um, but 
Uh, I graduated high school, and then I went to, um, every summer, I would go to Word of Life Bible Institute. Um, it's a Bible Institute, but it's also a camp, so I would go to camp with my church. This was my sixth time as a camper, and um, one of the nights, there was a speaker, and he was sharing on love, and he was sharing on relationships, and it was just so funny. Well, it's not funny. It's God, but it was like the perfect timing for my life and what he was sharing, and he was talking about um, God's love and shared John 3.16, for God so loved, emphasis on loved, he loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And in that moment, I had heard the gospel growing up in church. I heard the gospel so many times, but it was never real to me, and it was never, I never heard it like that moment. And um, in that moment, I just knew that um, I was a sinner, and the way I was living was wrong, and that um, God showed me the ultimate sacrifice of his love in sending Jesus, and um, with believing what Jesus did for me on the cross and believing that he rose from the dead, I can have eternal life. And in that moment, my heart was just so satisfied in the Lord. And I just knew that I don't need anything of the world. I don't need any relationships. But if I have Christ, then I can be satisfied. And the voids in my heart that were empty were filled through Christ. Um, and then after I became a believer, my life drastically changed. I was supposed to go to college in Florida, um, St. Leo University, and I pulled my application. I ended up applying to the Bible Institute, and my plan was I'm going to um, this college to study the Bible for a year, and little did I know that the Lord would place Michael Duma in my life. And she told me to get in line, for those of you that were <laughs> God truly, like, undeniably just, like, placed our paths together, and we are very different. So that can be hairy sometimes, but it's so great, and God uses it for good and for his purpose. But just a funny thing, I remember Michael and I were talking at the BI and, like, you know, what does he want to do with his life? And um, uh, he, like, shared how some of the girls would talk about, like, they want to be a pastor's wife. And I was like, oh, really? I'm like... Well, like, if I decide to be your wife, I just want to be your wife. I don't care if you're a garbage man, you know? But it's funny that this is truly what the Lord had for us, as, at least right now. And it's so wonderful, and I'm so thankful for where God has brought us and what he's done. Um, just real quick before you share, um, this is, for those of you who don't know, he is the previous pastor of the church that was here. And so one of the Sundays in the summertime, him and I are probably going to uh, dual preach or we'll have something where we'll show previous pictures. We'll share the whole story of really what the church was here and kind of how God led us through. But I thought it was fitting uh, for, her, for him to be on the panel and to share his story. So we do still call him Pastor Wooden, by the way. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I gave my life to the Lord in 1975, a long time ago. I've been serving the Lord for 48 years. But the question is, what did it take? It took the Lord moving in my wife's life to really help me. I started racing stock cars in 72. Building stock cars, and you always have to have drinking going on with it. And we'd work on cars every night and drink every night. It got to the point where after about two years, I was really addicted to alcohol. Too much I couldn't quit drinking. 
But my wife had gone back to church, or for a while she had not gone to church until we was about four or five years into our marriage. She was raised in church, but I was nothing. I was just a heathen. Didn't know anything about Christ or the church. But because of my drinking, she would really seek the Lord for me. And she started just doing everything in her power, her and the children, to talk to me about the Lord and go to church with her. My daughter was eight years old, crawled up my lap one day and said, Daddy, why don't you go to heaven with us? And I had no answer for her. And so the pastor, he kept coming around, and I'd run him off. You know, I didn't want to hear what he had to say, and it just kept going. I just, my life just kept going in the wrong direction. And that went on for about three and a half years. In 1974, I don't know really when, but it doesn't matter, my wife came to me, and she said, you know, I can't live with you anymore when you're drinking. I want a divorce. If you can't quit drinking, I need, we need to leave you. And that really shocked me because, you know, when you're addicted to something, you think everything's just fine. And that's what trouble with sin is. It makes you think everything's just fine. And that was the first time I really opened my eyes and kind of looked at my life. And so she started doing more and more praying, and then she got more of her friends involved in it. And people would talk to me. We wouldn't, her mother and father lived in Pennsylvania, and we would go by this Andover. I was raised in Andover, Ohio. We'd go by this little church south of Andover, and our friends, I didn't know it, got saved. And so we'd stop at their house. And they would talk to Joyce about what was going on in the church and everything was happening. I'm sitting there like, what's this all talk? You know, crazy stuff, you know. And they would talk about it. And one night they just sat there talking and they just asked me, he said, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And I said, I don't know. They said, if you really believe that, that he was the Son of God and was crucified and buried and rose on the third day, he said, God would come into your life. He'll change you. Well, I've seen how much their life changed because we used to drink with them. And so that kind of got me more interested about the church. It went on, and I, the children's program, we watched that. It was, so in 74, the Christmas program went on at the church, and my kids were in it. So I listened to my wife and my children practice their parts all the time. So I said, I'm going to go. That night, I decided I was going to give my life to Christ. And they had a beautiful program. I never give an altar call. Never give an invitation. And I got mad. Because I was determined I was going to go to the front of the church and ask God in my life. And so for the next probably few weeks, I stayed pretty well drunk. And my wife said, our friends are having a, a singing at their church on Wednesday night. I'd like to go. And I said, well, we'll see. Well, it, 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 long story short, I didn't know this. But hindsight is something beautiful. That church had decided to fast for 30 days for everybody that was lost in their families. And everybody took their names of their lost family and put it into the church. I don't know if they put it in the box or what they did. And they prayed over it every week. Well, that night we went to the church. And I sat there in the back. It was, they only had one row. That center aisle down. The rest of it, I sat against the wall. Listened to that singing. And when they gave the invitation, I just crawled over top of everybody. Joy said, I have no idea where you were going. <laughs> but I went to the altar, and there was a piano sitting down on the floor, and the whole front of it was full of people giving their life to Christ. And I went behind that piano and just knelt down and asked God to come into my life. And what it took 
for my wife to be so diligent in her prayer life. Because afterwards, we would talk about how much she really prayed and sought the Lord. You know? And I thought to myself, it takes people dedicated for the lost. But anyhow, we went home that night, and I was so excited. I felt really good. Didn't know what happened to me, but I felt great. <laughs> I got my three girls and my wife, and I went in beside our bed, and we knelt down and prayed. I just said a simple prayer about th just thanking God for changing, coming in my life and ministering to my family. And I said, that's all. And my wife said, honey, you're praying to God now. And she told me how to pray in Jesus' name, and I said, okay. The kids went to bed, and we sat down and talked. And she said, there's four things you got to do now if you really want God to bless our home and change our lives around. Because you see, when I went to Andover that night, that church, my life was a mess, my home was a mess, and I was on my way to hell didn't know it. But when I got up that night, after I came up, up behind that piano, my destination had changed. But my home was still a mess, and my life was still a mess. But Jesus changed that. She told me, you need to pray every day. You need to read the Bible every day. We need to be in the church every time the doors are open, and you need to be faithful in our ties. And I said, I don't understand that. And she told me, being faithful ties is opening the door to God's blessing upon our life. And she said, if you want God to bless us, we need to be faithful in these four areas. And I've been faithful in them four areas for 48 years. And God has blessed me. I sit here today as a man telling you, I don't care what kind of condition you're in, if you open up your heart to Christ, he'll come in and change you. My wife was told when she was a young girl that she was going to be married to a pastor, and I was the furthest thing from a pastor she ever seen. <laughs> but I've been pastoring the church for 30, almost 35 years. All because what it took is praying people. A praying wife who wouldn't give up on me. And letting the Spirit of God do his work in our lives. That's what it really means about giving your life to Christ. He'll change you. Amen. Amen. I'm not sure exactly how to follow that. That's pretty good. Uh, hi, my name is Nolan. Uh, if, if I don't already know you, I'd love to meet you. I'll be out in the lobby afterwards. But I'm director of ministries here. Uh, I also serve with our tech team. Uh, they do a great job back there. Um, so thank them on your way out, too. Um, but if you get an email from the church, that's probably from me. So that's kind of like what I do here. Um, <laughs> but I, I grew up not too far from here. Uh, I went to Lake High School. It's kind of the community that I grew up in. Um, and I didn't really grow up going to church. I knew, uh, I thought I knew about church. Um, my grandparents took me to their, their church sometimes. And like when my parents wanted to get my brother and I out of the house. Um, and that was pretty much my only exposure to it. I was like, this organ is really awesome. Like, it sounds really cool. Uh, but I didn't get any of the message at all. Um, I would say I was a pretty good kid growing up. I mean, I got good grades. I wasn't going out and partying. Um, and I thought all that made me really smart. Um, I thought I had it all figured out. It was like, everyone is looking at this thing called life, and they're trying to explain it with all of these different religions. And I think they're all just wrong. I think they're all looking at the same thing and trying to explain it in different ways. And so I came out agnostic, and I, I don't know that I had the word for that at that time, but 
That's kind of what I thought. I was like, everyone's just kind of dumb. That's sort of what I thought. Um, but my whole facade of being a good person and being good enough um, for whatever comes next uh, just melted away when I went to Ohio University for my undergrad. It was within the first weekend of someone offering me a beer that I was stumbling home, fell on my face, drunk, um, had never touched a drop in my life, and from that point on, it was every weekend. And then two or three months in, someone introduced me to marijuana, and I found my new greatest love, and there wasn't a moment that I wasn't high or looking to get high um, for about five years. Um, and I didn't know at the time that I was, I was really trying to fill something. And I, I was chasing after something and I didn't know what it was. Um, got all the way through to my senior year, still getting decent grades, still doing well in my degree program. And um, I got an assistantship to go study down in Arkansas to do my master's um, and moved halfway across the country with um, none of my friends, uh, a place I'd never been to, and a marijuana addiction, and nowhere to get it. Um, but when you're that desperate, you start to find places. And on the nights that everything started, started to go out, I would, I would start to think about my life because I was just confronted with it. And one of, the, one of those nights, it was a Monday night, I remember it clear as day, because I was sitting at my kitchen table, just in my empty apartment, silent, and I thought back to one of the first people I met after I moved down to Arkansas. His name was Ben. Um, and I just thought about the first conversation that we had. He was just trying to get to know me, and he said, hey, are you a church-going guy? And I, I like almost laughed him off. I mean, I thought, I was like, wow, I really am in the Bible Belt here down in Arkansas. <laughs> so I, I, I very politely said, um, no, not at all. Um, and he never brought it up again after that, but I was, is this Monday night, I'm sitting at my kitchen table and all I can hear is that question rattling around in my head. Hey, are you a church-going guy? Hey, are you a church-going guy? Hey, are you a church-going guy? It was all I could hear. And I didn't know what was happening, but I knew something was happening. So I, I texted Ben and I said, hey, do you remember that time that you asked me if I was a church-going guy? And he said, no. I said, well, you did. Um, I'm, I'm like 90% sure you did. And he said, okay, um, why? I was like, well, I just wanted to know if, if you were. And if you are, would you like be willing to take me? Um, and he, he was very willing to answer any of the questions that I had. And he brought me to my first, well, we went to a, the, the college service. Um, and I was like a little too old for that, being in, in a master's program. But I... As soon as I walked in, I mean, I found a community of people that made me feel like I belonged. Um, people that just wanted me to be adopted into their family. And it was like nothing I had, had ever experienced. And I realized that this was the hole that I was trying to fill the whole time. And I went back to the church on Sunday. I couldn't find anyone to go with me. I sat in the back in the left and they gave an altar call. I gave my life to Christ on the spot and started reading Matthew and just haven't stopped since. Uh, and it's not like my life changed overnight. I mean, 
the sin still still clung hold. I it took me the better part of two years to kick um, a marijuana addiction, which I am now thankfully free from. But sin just has a way of, of sticking around in your life like that sometimes. But there is freedom from it. And that freedom is only found in Christ. Um, and I think if you told me that I'd be sitting up here with um, three, three pastors and, and their wives, I, like even, even three years ago, I, th- I think I would have called you crazy. Um, but I am just so thankful for everything that Jesus has done in my life. But, and it all came from just one guy who asked me, hey, do you go to church? You guys are good. Yeah. Um, you guys can take a seat. Um, I was actually uh, Nolan's brother's youth pastor, and we were praying for him like every week together in our small group. But isn't it just good to hear stories at times? It says in Matthew 5 or Mark 5:19 on the back of our family card, it says, Go home to your friends. You can't replace a personal testimony. We can do events. We can invite them to church at times, but it says, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. That hopefully, and really as you heard these stories, um, someone invited them, someone prayed for them, someone shared their testimony with them. It took people's lives and stories to impact other people's lives and stories. And really as a church, as we approach Easter, Uh, Since we started, I share this often because it's very important for us to remember. We've had 61 people accept Christ since we've started church, 61. And there's people you know, you know, future stories that in a couple years, maybe they're sharing their testimony. And right now you would say, definitely not them, definitely not them, but God wants to do something. So two questions as we close. Who on your family card or who do you know that needs to hear your story? It's time for you to share. It's time for you to go up and awkwardly and embarrassingly and not really knowing what to say and say, hey, can I share a story with you? Because isn't there power in a testimony? It says in Revelation that they overcame by the power of the testimony. And then the last question, really, as we were just talking there, is do you have a story? Do you have one? You heard some, you came to church, you've taken communion, maybe you got baptized, you thought church was maybe just this religious thing, but you don't have a relationship with Christ. That you've never, as you heard this morning, that you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've never put your faith and trust in his work. It's always been yours. And if you haven't done that, why not today? Why not? What better day? What better time? What else would God have to do? What else, what would it take for God to get a, get a hold of your heart? Would you guys stand and let me pray with us this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you for these stories, God, of changed lives. It's a reminder of why we do what we do. Lord, we thank you that we are broken people who just found where to find a Savior. We're not perfect. We don't have it all together, but God, just a testimony of what you've done in our lives. God, we pray for the future stories of what you're going to do. Not because of us, not because we're smart, not because we have it all together, but because there's power in the gospel of Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the dead. And for those in this room, they've never, they don't have a story. They don't have a spiritual death to spiritual life story. They're just still blind, but they see Jesus. I pray that right now that they would give their life to you. They'd come forward. They wouldn't leave this morning without making it right with you. 
And God, we are just thankful for what you've done and what you are doing in this church. We pray this in all God's people said.